Hey Toy Family, welcome to the Marsham Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything Designer Con. I'm Gary Ham. Designer Con. That threw me off. Uh, I'm Teresa Hawkins. I'm George Gaspar. Well, this is our Designer Con wrap-up. It might, it's, what, technically we're two weeks from preview night. It feels weird talking about it 14 days later, no? Well, we didn't have any time. You know, it feels like two months later, though. And it's it's so hard with decon when it happens. There's no honeymoon period. You go straight from decon into Thanksgiving, and a lot of times straight from Thanksgiving into pre-Christmas work stuff, and it's like all of a sudden the year's over. So it's hard. Next year will be better, maybe. I would think so. We're not gonna have any excuses next year. It's on a different weekend. It's almost two weekends. It's yeah, it's almost two weekends before that Thanksgiving weekend. So. Yeah, we'll have plenty of time to talk before the family craziness starts. Yep. Well, you know, it's so funny. So the new dates for next year are November 13th through the 15th. And I know Ben kept saying, oh, it's going to be so great because there's always that Monday holiday. But Veterans Day is not a guaranteed Monday. It's just a random day. Veterans Day is actually before decon. It's the Wednesday before. So the 11th is Veterans Day, and then decon will be... The 13th, 14th, and 15th. But it might be nice, so if people want to use the 11th to come out and have an extra day, they could do it that way. A day at Disneyland on the 12th, and then everybody goes to Decon on 13th. Yeah. So, but ho- yeah, hopefully hopefully having a little bit of a breather before Thanksgiving will help, because, man, I feel like I get back, right? I've got all, I've got my haul, I'm feeling like toy bliss, and I have no time to sit and enjoy it. I'm immediately into, holy crap, my parents are coming in town. I can't put all my toys out and enjoy them. I have to, like, put it in a corner and clean up and do all this stuff. <sighs> George, did you have That's... time to even go through your stuff? I literally, I just sent you a photo right before we recorded. Oh. I just took it all out of the bag. Right before we recorded, I sat down, took out my bags, and opened it up. That was the first time I've seen any of it since Decon. Wow, it's quite the haul. I didn't, you know what, I forgot. I didn't think I got anything this year, and now I'm excited again, now that I'm looking at it all. Your, one of my favorite pickups of yours, George, is that Taco Supreme. It just makes me laugh. It's yeah, the best. That was, that it's so was a 2-bit hack piece. Um, and when a what? He me, a 2-bit hack. Uh, when he showed it to me, he he always walks around with his, bo- his box of stuff. He doesn't get a booth. He just walks around with a booth and a box. And uh, he, he comes over and he shows me the stuff he's got this year. And when he showed me that piece, I was like, I got to have it. Do you see it, Gary? It's a play on Supreme, like the popular hype brand, and then obviously a Taco Supreme. So it's a plastic red taco with the word Supreme on it. And oh, it just, I missed that. I don't know. <laughs> when you, you showed it to me at the show, and I took a minute, and then I literally just like laughed out loud. I just, there was the, I don't know, I just find it hilarious. It's and I gotta tell best. you, that taco is a heavy resin cast taco mounted on a blister card. It's no, it's no little toy. <laughs> no, I miss uh, that. I feel like I miss half the show, really. I feel like it's all blur. I feel like I was hardly there, which is true. I was rarely there. I missed Friday night completely due to a canceled flight. Saturday, I was there for only about half the day because I got a raging headache every step I took. It's just pounding, so I went back to the hotel room and slept. And then I got most of the day on Sunday, So, but it was just kind of a blur. It's just a lot of stopping chats. I didn't really get to see a whole lot of stuff, so I missed tons. 
I'm excited for Teresa's review because I, I feel the same way. Like I, I know that I was not at my booth a lot of times somehow, but even though I wasn't, I don't know where I was because I wasn't roaming booths. Like I, I didn't go see very much stuff. I, but I talked to, like I went specifically to talk to a couple people and then back to the booth. And then I don't know. I, for some reason I wasn't even at the booth though. I don't know what happened. Man, you too. It's great. You know, I felt terrible for you, Gary, because you know I have bad juju with these events lately with travel stuff. Like, I feel like every event I go to, I end up having something happen with weather or my flight or whatever. And I always get so nervous. Like, right at this time of year, I'm like, oh, my God, I hope nowhere has, like, snow or anything crazy. And honestly, my overall, like, my travel without a hitch. And then on Friday, I get these messages from you of, my flight's delayed. It's delayed again. My flight is canceled. I don't know if I can get out here. I'm like, oh my God, Gary, no. Like I gave you my bad juju. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you can have it back. I don't want it anymore. That sucked. You're smart though. You've learned from that those sort of things. And so now you travel the day before the event even starts. So in case there is any delays or cancellations, you can still probably make the event. I did not give myself that buffer. My plane was scheduled to arrive like two and a half, three hours before DesignerCon started. So any cancellation, any delay, I, I was probably going to miss it. And that's what happened. So my flight got canceled at one airport. I had to travel to a completely different airport, the SeaTac airport. My brother took three hours off of work to come pick me up at the one airport, drive me to SeaTac in the back to work. So thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. And then, uh, so yeah, that was a seven, eight hour delay. So I didn't get back in. I didn't arrive into town until about 11 p.m. that night. So not only did I miss the event, but I missed hanging out with you all after the event. I just missed Friday completely. And unfortunately, I also had a canceled flight coming home. So again, I had another six, seven hour delay. I didn't, I was supposed to arrive home at five. And I think I arrived home at, again, 11 o'clock. So yeah, I pretty much saw DesignerCon for probably one full day and then spent two full days at the airport. You had you had a rough time of it, but you got to meet your boy toy. Or maybe that's not the right word. <laughs> Definitely not the right word. Your 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 um your answer. Yeah. Sure. I'm sitting there. Amazing. I'm sitting there waiting for the Sunday flight back home. Just sitting there looking at my phone, just watching the, the app say delay, delay. It's just constantly changing. And I look up and sitting pretty much directly across from me is, a, is Nathan Yurevages. But I wasn't sure if it was quite him. He was looking at his eye, um, his desktop and he's working away and all that sort of stuff. So I, I pulled up. I knew he was in town. So I pulled up Whoop Bear's IG account just to make sure it was him. And sure enough, it looked close enough. So I stand up and I show him the Instagram account of him on Whoop Bear's account. I go, excuse me, sir, is this you? And he goes, yeah, that's me. And I said, oh, I'm Gary Ham. Nice to meet you. And then we talked for, I don't know, probably 30 minutes or so. It was a good time killer. It was nice to finally meet him. Oh, you no. called him sir? That's so sweet. Wait, what? You <laughs> called him sir? You actually said, is this you, sir? I so might have. That, that's, that's what I think I said. So anyways, I, I had, was, let's get back to design. Hey, all these headaches was worth it because you got to meet Nathan. Oh, it was all meant to be. Jeez. But no, it's, you know, it's funny. So Gary, you had your craziness and George, you were doing boo stuff. Um, I, I did see, I, I felt like I tried really, really hard. 
to see as much of the show as I could. And the funny thing is I spent, so Friday was VIP night and that was just ping ponging around. But on Saturday, I made it a mission. And I said, all right, I'm going to, I call it snaking around. I was like, I'm going to snake this darn event. So I start in, I guess, the, the right hall, bottom right corner, you know, beginning of this event. And I'm like, I am going to literally go up and down every single stinking aisle from one hall to the next. I'm going to make it through this thing. And I did it. I did not get, I would not say I covered a hundred percent of the floor, but it got pretty darn close. But man, to do that along with stopping to talk to people, I literally was in like a mad sprint. I mean, I had to sit and like bolt up the aisles and like sprint past all this stuff. And even then, like at the end of the day on Saturday, I barely had time left. It was crazy. It was hard. And the funny thing is, after all that and after seeing like feeling like okay i saw decon there was still this constant like after decon seeing photos of stuff i hadn't seen and hearing about things i didn't know happened and then i was watching all these video recaps come in so there are different people who have little recaps of what they saw or what they thought and i felt like i attended an entirely different show I mean, there were people who were focused more on the hype side of things, like the apparel and the sneakers and that kind of stuff. And then I saw some recaps that was focused all on the license side of things. I was like, man, did we did we attend the same designer con? What did? How did I like miss all this stuff when I snaked the whole darn thing? That's just because there's just so much there now. Like, like like you said, you watch these other videos and it's you know seeing it through their lens. It's it's like a totally different event. So maybe now it's only like one-fifth designer toy. So when you're walking around, and you're walking around at a pretty brisk pace, Teresa, I can see where it would be super easy to gloss over much of the stuff that's there because you're, you're, you know, you're only waiting for your eye to land on what might appeal to you. So, yeah, it, there was just a lot of stuff. And you were talking about how you were trying to snake around the place on Saturday. So let's rewind and go back to the Friday night before. So for the listeners who've never been to DesignerCon, the Friday night before the Saturday and Sunday, that is what they call VIP night. That's the night where from 5 to 9 for four-hour period, the VIP badge holders or ticket holders can get in and do their shopping. So it tends to be a little more of a low-key night. So tell me, what did I miss this year? What were the lines like? Were there any sort of differences to the event? Just fill me in as to what I miss on VIP night. Uh, well, I mean, George, maybe you can talk from your perspective what it looked like at your booth. But um, I don't know, for me personally, I mean, I know going into it, I think I talked a lot about not really feeling like I had a game plan. And even right before VIP night, I still didn't really have a full game plan from a buying perspective. Um, so it was, for me, I was a little jumbled, but what, what I kind of noticed is there's always certain booths that people flock to that get crazy, crazy lines. But then most of the event, the majority of it, it's pretty chill. Like you can kind of walk around, um, talk to people. It's not like super crazy or hectic yet. Um, some of the crazy booths were, um, so Binda Wood, Chris and Amanda's booth had a pretty crazy line. Unbox, their line was insane. Uh, Sour Lemon booth, which is the Sofubi kind of corner. Um, Dolly Oblong. Um, who else? 
but yeah, there's always a select few that I feel like people know, like I got to go to this thing first because stuff's going to sell out. So those were kind of the ones like I, I completely skipped on box. I walked past, like, there's no way I'm going to wait in the line. I'll go say hi and check it out later. I heard that but, was a three hour um, line little, for some people. I, it, I, I did not even attempt the lines because their booth is, it's in a corner in the sense that it's right by the, there's a hallway, a big, large hallway between the two halls. So there's a, I don't even know, is it A and B, George? Do they have numbers or letters? <clears throat> George has been gone for about five minutes, so. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jess, do you know? What Sorry. hall was what was the question? And I was oh gosh! <laughs> All right, you can just be George for the rest of the episode. But anyway, there's there's a giant hallway between the left hall and the right hall, and they're right there. And so what they had was this line that was snaking through that hallway from the hall unbox was in over into the other hall. And when I first was trying to come and see it. I was like, what is this cluster of people? And I realized the cluster of people was the unbox line. And I did I didn't even attempt it, Gary. It's like I wasn't even gonna try. But yeah, it like their booth was always busy. The sour lemon booth, so this wasn't necessarily VIP night, but they're the ones that have the I um I park figures, so like the cute little astronauts. And, and some other figures. Are you there, Gary? I'm here. Or am I just talking to no, myself? No, I'm just, I'm just okay. listening. I'm, I'm like, George left, Gary left. <laughs> I'm just talking to Jazz, talking to the wind. But um, not necessarily VIP night, Gary, but the way they had their line was they were kind of in a back left corner. And I didn't realize they had this huge line along the wall. But their booth itself didn't have any line in front of it. And I was curious. And I was like, oh, this is odd. Well, I'll just walk up to the booth. And they had some of the astronauts out. And I'm, like, looking at them. And I'm asking them about them. I'm like, oh, are these for sale? They're cute. Do you have any available? And all of a sudden, they're like, um, there's actually a line. And I look <laughs> over to my right. And there's this mass of people. And I was like, oh, my God. I am so sorry. And I like put my hands up in the air and like slowly walk away and look to the line. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I like that they allow cut. you to walk up and be able to see stuff though. That's nice to be able to just see what's available while everyone else stands in line. It's not blocking the yeah. booth. Yeah, it, it was it was kind of nice because yeah, then people can kind of just walk up and talk. I just was completely confused because I thought, This is so weird. Where are all the people? And they were just off all the, the people side. are just staring daggers at you, thinking that you're going to cut in line and get their goods. But speaking of which, I know on preview night, a lot of pe- I heard a lot of people were saying not all stock was saved for VIP Friday night. I heard there was some holdback of stock for the additional days. So is that true? Is that well, your experience? Were, were vendors holding stock back for the rest of the weekend attendees too? Yeah, it it's really a booth by booth thing, Gary. I honestly don't know how. Um, Unbox did it entirely. I do know for some of their more popular pieces, like the, um, you know, those chibis by Mutant Vinyl Hardcore? Yeah. The, like the tie-dye ones, the new chibis. So because they knew they were going to be so popular, they chose to do those by lottery. So what you did is I think you would go up and then there was like this little spinner wheel or thing you would do. And if you got, I, I honestly don't know if it was a color ball or a number or what, but 
you'd attempt to spin for one. And if you got it, you could buy it. Otherwise, I think you had to get back in line and try again. So there was, they had kind of some different methods like that, I think, to help keep the stock around a bit longer. Um, Dolly Oblong, oh my gosh, she, <laughs> I feel so sorry for her. She, her, her booth is always so nuts. And what she does is um, actually felt like a lot of people adopted this pattern um, this year, but she did different releases on different nights. So Friday night, uh, VIP night, she released a set amount of figures and then she had new releases that were on Saturday and another release that was on Sunday. So each day had different things so that she could kind of extend her stock. The Little Hut Paradise toy booth was actually another really popular one. That's where the Seedless and the Byrons and um, those kind of cutified Sufubi stuff is um, by Shoko and whatnot and the Laboobos and all that. They did the same thing. So there was a new um, seedless I was after, and they had three three new colorways of a pink, a yellow, and a blue, and they ended up making those daily releases. So they did the yellow on Friday, the blue on Saturday, and the pink on Sunday. Um, so it kind of just depended. It seemed like I think some of the booths that are more popular are starting to get a handle or, I guess, understanding that it's going to be a bit crazy. And I think they're trying to think of ways to extend stock or allow the general public to have a chance at it. Whereas like the, the Binawood booth. So uh, Chris Reiniak and Amanda Louis Spade, they just like, it was kind of a first come first serve thing. So on Friday, everything was available. Um, the only thing they did, they did something a little more fun where, uh, instead of saving different releases for each day, they had this fun uh, mystery mini thing. So uh, they had three new mini sculpts they uh, released at DesignerCon for the first time. And what they did is each day you got a different ticket for one of the sculpts. And then you would come back at a specific time and they had this cauldron of minis. And inside was like... It, mystery colorways of resin minis with this new sculpt but within the batch there was one hand-painted mini um, but you were paying the price of a resin so it was like a uh, I forget like $18 or $20 or $25 ticket chance depending upon the figure um, but you had the chance to get a hand-painted mini out of the, the yeah. pulse so everyone would come back at a designated time pick and everyone would open it at once and then you'd find out what you got and see who won the hand painted and then people could trade. So it was a fun little thing they introduced. Yeah. Um, that was fun to participate in each day, but yeah, I saw some people yeah, hanging out um, there several times, hooping and hollering and having a good time at that booth. So that's a fun thing that they did for their fan base. Uh, last year we, we had our designer con wrap up and we were probably a little overcritical on it being that it was the first year at Anaheim and we noticed some things that we wanted improved and we thought could be better. And we shared our opinions and not everyone appreciates us being open with our opinions. So um, with that said, let's go ahead and compare and contrast last year's event versus this year's events. Do you think it was much improved? Did they make a lot of great changes and significant changes to the event that you thought made it better this year? I thought the, the addition of the signs above the aisles was awesome. George, you're Yeah, back. that was a big change. I know it's a lot of people knew where, actually where they were this year. I remember last year, Teresa didn't know left from right in that place, and this year she knew exactly where she was. Oh, my God, no. Those aisle signs, uh, 
godsend. They were they were the best addition ever. And I know we did get we got in the weeds on the logistical stuff. And I think a lot of it was just because it was a new venue and a lot of change. But but I have to say of the logistical stuff, the aisle signs, oh my gosh, so helpful. I use them constantly. So thank you, Ben. That that one little thing right there made you, made a huge difference. And I know he adjusted the aisle sizes. I thought I thought it was good. Like when things were really busy, it didn't feel like like I was getting stuck. But if it felt like it was a right amount of space, it wasn't too spacious, but it was a good amount of space for when it got busy. So you know what's weird? I don't recall ever thinking that it was busy in there. Like was it? I know like maybe the the. I don't know the difference between the two different halls. I know the, the the entrance side of the hall, that felt a little more busy just because and then you get to the other side, it felt a little more spacious. But the aisle sizes were the same. But I don't ever recall thinking like, holy crap, it's really crowded in here. So attendance-wise, was it about the same as last year? Have you heard anything? Was it significantly improved? Like anything on the attendance? I, I, do, I did ask Ben. He said the numbers were up. Okay. So attendance was up from last year. Yeah. I think part of it, I mean, the aisles being big in a way, it's not going to look as condensed and crazy, which is nice because then you're not fighting a giant crowd trying to get anywhere. But there were definitely times where I was having to kind of weave and bob around people. That was more on the other side of the hall, though. Like once you get past that middle barrier that you're talking about, walking around was a piece of cake. Yeah, that that's the one thing that was kind of kind of interesting. So there's i was when you were disappeared george i was asking about the halls do you know the hall names the left and the right they've names yeah, so the, the main entrance hall is hall c and then the other side hall where i was is hall d okay d okay so <coughs> hall c on the right is the what's interesting is that's where all the entrances are so to get in those are the only doors that are open and it's a little weird that they didn't have any entries straight into the hall on the left. Um, so I think that did make the a first initial hall kind of where all the traffic went. And I wonder, like, for me, what I like this year, it kind of felt like this is decon, right? I was familiar. I knew the venue. I knew the area. I kind of knew the setup. I knew that there was two separate halls and sort of this big hallway between them. But I wonder for people new to the show how many people do you think people were missing and not realizing there was a whole other section? I bet when you first get in, you like, you're like looking around, you're like, wow, this is huge. And you just start walking, think like taking your time thinking this is going to be the whole show. And then you get to the middle and you're like, Oh my God, there's a whole other side of this. Mm-hmm. And then you realize like, I got to get through this whole thing. So yeah, I think at first it could be maybe deceiving that you only see the first half I, I, there's no, uh, there's nothing they can do about that wall thing, but man, I hate that wall. But yeah. that's just the way the convention center set up. That has nothing to do with anything. If they move to the A and B halls, they have the same. Uh, they same are moving to the A and B halls, oh. and I, and I don't know. I know it'll be more of a square, like or a rectangle shape, rather than that weird shape that Hall D has. Ah, uh, right, that uh, kind of like dead angle. zone. Yeah, that kind of strange angle area. So they lose that. They lose that dumb dead zone next year, which is great. I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, because I think the the left hall, especially that left side, it's kind of odd. It kind of just empties out and looks kind of weird. But 
I, I don't know if there's any way logistically, and I, if they're moving halls, maybe there's a better way to handle it. But I think it would help a lot if people could feed into both halls at once instead of everyone filtering into one section. And I think that would help, one, visibility of everyone in the other hall, but also just flow of traffic, right? So people can kind of get in and go where they want, and and it'll help new people to the show realize that there's multiple sections going on and that it's not just I mean, one piece. Then you just have to hire more staff to guide, to guard all the doors to make sure everybody's got the right tags to get in. So, I mean, I can understand, I know. What you know, but it's it would be a staffing logistic thing. So, speaking of staffing and logistics, there's <clears throat> one thing we didn't talk about related to the VIP night and just VIPs in general. Um, and I really don't even know what can even be done about it. But I think the one of the heartburn items that I heard about was around the entry of VIPs into the VIP night and both the Saturday and Sunday um, mornings. And I think, I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. But what I heard, and I think you heard pieces of this too, Gary, right? That there was a, like some issues with, uh, I guess they were trying to do this new wristband thing where anyone who lined up would get a wristband. I don't know. But apparently what happened is a lot of people, many people, some people came very early to wait in line. But then um, they're left in like a, a hall downstairs and they line up down there. And then what's supposed to happen is they lead them up from the, the this room downstairs up the escalators and into the hall and apparently logistically some things went wrong there so instead of being let up there was delays and i guess people in the main lobby area were being let in before them and, and there was something about an ada line that people were cheating their way into that so they could get in early so Wait, i don't it? know I, keep in yeah, mind this is us all secondhand talking this none of none of the three of us have seen any of this oh. happen so well, this really just speculating we don't yeah. know if they had a, a place that they're supposed to be we don't know like we'd have to have ben on again and or someone from the event to talk about that kind of thing so i i here's the thing if you go if you're if you're the guy that goes there at you know four in the morning to wait and get there that early and because you want this one special thing from this one special booth that you know is a hot booth and is going to be a problem Here's what you do. This is DesignerCon. This isn't like Hasbro and Mattel. Write to the person. You send them an email and say, hey, I'm coming to Decon. I, I'd love to commission a piece. That's, if you're, you're there to buy a one-of-a-kind piece anyway, write to them. These are all artists who, who make stuff to make a living. Any one of us would gladly either sell you one of our things and have it for you at Decon or make you a one-of-a-kind piece anyway like this is what everybody does for a living like if this is if you're going to be so butthurt that you can't get this one thing write to the artist no i mean I, no george i completely disagree I, yeah i can't get on board with that that's not something i'll subscribe to because as a vendor you spend a lot of time and effort creating these things we want to ensure the stuff gets into the hands of our real collectors, our real fan base. There's just too many people concerned about flippers these days. And it's, it's, it's always been an ongoing thing, but we don't want to support flipper nation. We want, if someone's traveling to designer con, you want to ensure that they had the best chance of acquiring our stuff, you know? So we don't want them to get it on the aftermarket. So no, I don't, I don't want to be announcing to people to say, Hey, 
avoid the line by emailing people and hoping that maybe they'll hold stock back for you because that's not fair to the vendors. I've I had plenty of people try to do that in the past, and there's a lot of weight that comes with that, trying to want to not turn off your fan base and aggravate your fan base because you're not willing to do a solid for them. That's a lot of pressure to the vendor. So let's not be putting that onto the vendor and telling uh, people to reach out that way. But overall, what I'm hearing with the line situation, and George was pointing out earlier, let's be face it, we've never experienced, for years, we haven't experienced any of these events as a VIP. We've, we've either been press or vendors and whatnot. So maybe next year I'll, I'll go as a VIP and actually report as a VIP what it was like. Because, And what we're saying also is, this is not a designer con specific thing. All conventions have this issue with VIP lineups and badges and people being in the conventions even before the people that have been waiting 15, 20 hours outside. It's an all encompassing convention thing. San Diego, Dragon Con, whatnot. It's not specific to designer con at all. Yeah, it's every, it's every convention. It has nothing to do with decon. No. It's, yeah, it's a separate it's, issue. It's, it's definitely not decon specific. And, and, I get where you're coming from, George, and while I think that would be awesome, I know a lot of artists wouldn't be able to accommodate that, but I think at the end of the day, this is where what Ben always says, he's like, look, it's up to booths to, to decide how they sell their stuff, right? Some people do first come, first serve. Some people do lotteries. Some people, instead of selling right at um, door opening time, will do sales uh, starting at two, you know, people have to come up with different and creative ways for how to approach selling their product, especially if they realize that it's limited and also very sought after. So it, it, it's like one of those things that I don't feel like there's no good answer. You know, as someone who wants something, do I want to have to do a lottery for it and only get a chance at it? No. But if that's the most fair way to do it, I get it. Um, you know, another thing that I know some people have implemented, I have no idea if this would make sense for a designer con, but I think about gallery shows and when you line up for like a line spot, sometimes what they'll do is a designated like ticket time, right? So people can come start line up or whatever, but what they'll do is say 1 p.m. that day, they'll start handing out numbers and saying you're number one in line, number two, whatever, and let people disperse. And then they can come back 30 minutes before the show starts and get back in their spot in line. I don't know if something like that would work, but it, it's a tricky thing. And I think on the the flip side of, is from Ben's perspective. So, you know, I had some collectors telling me about this crazy stuff going on, but I also ran into Ben. And of course, Ben, Ben was giving me a hard time. He's like, what kind of stuff are you going to, you know, what bad things are you going to talk about on the, the wrap up of the podcast? Like, Ben, you know, we love you. We love Designer Con. But um, I was asking him and I said, you know, I've been hearing some crazy stuff going on with with entry and VIP and stuff. And he's like, you know, he gets it. He's heard it. But it's a struggle. And I think one of the big things is around the whole security and staff thing. And so I think he's just doing the best he can with what he's got. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the best way to go about it. But there were clearly some issues. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. So, again, I missed VIP night, I mentioned, and I saw, looks like this year's VIP box is pretty awesome. There's lots of different items in there, and one of the items was a 100% bear brick designed by Scott Tolleson that's and skinned as Vincent, is of what he designed, and the other one was this teeny tiny little mini cat ship, or scat ship. What's it called? <laughs> It's it's Scat Ship, which is a really unfortunate name. I like to call it Scat a uh, Cat Spaceship 
instead. Okay. But so that was adorable. I wanted one of those. I, I, I did not buy VIP. No, I, Press does not also get a free VIP box. So I saw images online of what was in there. And I'm thinking there's other things I'm forgetting. What else was in there? Uh, there was also that pin, that like sexy devil pinup girl. Oh, right. That one felt a little out of place for me. Didn't feel designer con enough. Right. Um, so it was the bear brick, the spaceship cat girl, the pin, sneaker wipes. Uh, I feel like I'm blanking on my- I missed the sneaker. I got the sneaker wipes last year and I loved them. They worked fantastic. They were great. And I meant, to you know, pick, I meant to pick up another, I bought brand new shoes before the event. They're all scuffed up already. I would like to have had some, brought home some sneakers and wipes. It's, it's so funny you say that because it's actually, I actually have the same feeling. I was laughing a bit about the idea of them last year. I was like, okay, this is dumb. But then we tried them and they work and they're awesome. And I missed them this year too. And I'm kind of like, dang on it. I needed some sneaker wipes. And they have like these shoe shine stations where you can sit in a chair, like a shoe shine chair. And the guy pulls out the wipes and like cleans up the dirt on your shoes and everything. I've never partaken in it, but I've seen people sitting in those chairs and that's pretty cool. So that, that sneaker wipe was made by Sneaker Lab, just so we're given the, the proper promotion to the people who sponsored it. Okay. Yeah. So thank you. You know what's fun? You mentioned these little stations, Gary. I know we're, we're sidetracking a little bit, but there were all these little pockets, right? I guess like VIP relax stations or sneaker wipe areas or kid zones or whatever. Did you did you all check any of those out? Because I totally missed all those different pockets of stuff like the charge areas and all that because i was too busy doing my thing doing your con thing so no i was not doing exactly my con thing so i did take advantage of those areas so i can speak on those the charging station was fantastic it has a bunch of several several tables that has all the charging ports available for a variety of devices like apple or android so i took advantage of that i plugged my phone in there was a couple of lounging sofas that I just sat there for about 30 minutes and actually I watched a lot of the time I watched the kids play in the play zone the play zone was right next door to the charging uh, zone that I was at and in that uh, child zone was a ball pit some bouncy characters for the kids to bounce on a balance beam with a slide at the end it looked like a great little place for the kids just to get out their ball of energy the parents seemed to really appreciate it um, so that was fantastic. I know there was another one on the other side of the hall where the kids could sit on like picnic tables and color with crayons, like the uh, all city style trains and whatnot. So really nice that designer con is thinking about the families and the people out there like myself with uh, bad batteries. Nice. You know, the charging station is an awesome idea. I, uh, I'm, I've learned because I do kill my phone, but I have one. I like a personal little power charger I carry around with me but man there are times where I could see me needing to charge up I just I didn't have a chance to check it out but that's cool that it worked that way it was simple just to kind of walk up and and use and, it and they had bags it was the USA ePay charging station oh, and wow. they had they had free bags as well I did not know oh. that oh see I just I was I was too focused to enjoy some of the the perks and stuff um, you know, oh, the kids, the kids play place was the fashion mama's playground or whatever it's called. Was, wasn't there one also by, um, like stand up art in the corner there? Yeah. That was the one with the coloring station with the, the trains and all that stuff. Okay. I but do like, 
I'm thinking of the families and the kiddos. You should bring the kiddos next year, Gary. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're gonna make it probably a whole family trip to Disneyland before. And it's, I don't know, maybe I'll bring them to DesignerCon or maybe we'll split up and I'll do DesignerCon by myself. But either way, I think going forward, like DesignerCon is going to be a little different. The kids are now old enough to go on all the rides at DesignerCon. And it's never been, I've always felt a little guilty going out and being a block or two from Disneyland and, you know, not having the kids with me. So I think it, it's about time that they're old enough. It's, it's time to make this a family trip. Cool. So yeah, I don't know what next year is going to be like for me. I hope I'm going to be there for at least one full day. But I think, Teresa, your cons have just gotten so crazy and you just know so many people now. I feel like I'm going to have to schedule like an appointment with you. <laughs> I really am sorry. You know, it's so funny. We we started out going to events and hanging out the whole time. It's like I've lost my wingman. I've my wing <laughs> you you have spread your wings and you're soaring it's 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 changed yeah george i always you know it probably sounds weird to you but yet i think i probably saw you about as much as i saw Teresa. wow really yeah really it's, it's kind of strange but it's true your little girl's all grown up gary she is. She is so much so. You know, so much so that I jokingly said to Scott Catler on the Facebook group, like, I am currently accepting new applications for uh, a, de- a new decom buddy. No, I mean, Come you're on still on. You've become impossible yeah. to walk around with in that convention setting. It's, it's not it's, that. It's really crazy. Come on now. We're still buddy old pals. No, we're it's still just... buddy old pals, like podcast pals and friends outside the convention. But I think in that convention atmosphere, you just need to do your own it's thing. It's just, oh, it's so hard because so my it's it's so interesting because not only have we evolved like how we walk around, but I've evolved like when I first started going, obviously it was collector mindset, like you know, artists are celebrities, oh my god, like I'm finally being able to buy these things in person and see all these things and meet all these people and like and now it's it's like almost a one eighty where I'm going more just to see all these people, like see all my toy friends. So I'm not so much there about being a collector and buying all these things. It's more just walking around and seeing people that I, you know, regrouping and meeting people that I may have met online or that chatted to on the podcast, but haven't met in person. And yeah, it's like, for me, the weekend flies by because I'm just, you know, from talking. It's like I go to one booth and all of a sudden an hour's gone like that. And it's been great. And it's like, crap, like I just want to stay here and just talk. I know. It's crazy. It's, it is different. And I had the same thing when I'm walking around, like, say, Scott Catler or Chris Buchong. Like, you're constantly being stopped by a bunch of different people. And you feel bad because you've been walking with one person, but you want to stop and chat with the other. So it's I, I understand the difficulties to try to navigate that. Okay. So something that's been something that's been kind of difficult. Okay. So now, right, I've, as I've transitioned through, through these phases of, of how I attend these events and, you know, knowing that I'm getting to meet a lot of people and getting, you know, making a lot of close friends. Do you know what the hardest thing for me now is artist, like artist guilt. So I, okay. I'm trying to think of how to talk about this. So it's, as I make more and more friends in the scene, I want to support everyone. But it's like, 
I have, you know, I have limited space. I've accrued all this stuff and you know, I have limited budget. I'm trying to be better and I can't support everyone. And it makes my heart hurt like to go around and talk to all these people and be like, I love you. I love your work. This is great stuff. Oh my God. I love everything you brought and to not buy anything. It's so hard. And it makes me feel so guilty and I, I don't know how to like deal with it. That's why you don't like walking around. Yeah, I think that's why I don't like walking around because, like, I hate, like, I want to make, you know, I want to talk to everybody and, like, say hello and, like, tell people I love their stuff. But then I feel like I have to buy stuff and I just, I can't buy it from right. everybody. So I try and just stay at the booth. How, it's like, how do I navigate this new found territory? Because I obviously, like, I love toy people. I love our community. I want to support people. I want people to be successful. But, you know, my I, I only have so much money. I only have so much space. And also, I'm trying to be, like, we talked, like, I was telling people, like, I want to be really good at decon. I went really crazy at five points. So I'm trying to be very selective. And it's really hard because I don't want, like, I hope artists know that, like, I really, truly, deeply do love their work and love them. And me not buying something doesn't mean that, you know, mean that I don't like their stuff or mean that I don't like them. But, you know, obviously I'm a fan. I love your work, but you can only do so much. And it's even harder when you go up to booths and you just don't even buy a single thing. And you're just like, I love you. You're great. It's great to see you. Oh, my gosh. Great stuff. And then you just kind of walk away. I really hope artists know that I love them. They know it. And I know what you're saying. It's... I think we've all experienced that to some level. From an artist's perspective, though, like if you had a booth and let's, you know, I was a hardcore collector. I've been collecting you for 10 years. We've had this relationship. If I were to walk up to your booth and say hi and chat it up and talk about all your great stuff and not buy anything, would you take offense to that? Or would you like not even think about it? I don't think they take offense at all. I really don't think that they think that much about it because we all know Designer Con. It's 700 vendors, tons of product. There's, we all know that we're all kind of fighting for the same sales and attention. It's, it's it, You can't expect everyone to want to buy everything there. It's And I don't think people do. You might have a little more difficulty than, say, myself, though, Teresa, because you're kind of a known collector. You people kind of know that you've you've bought a lot of stuff in the past, and they might not be aware that you are trying to be more selective these days, and, and, and you know, trimming down on purchases. So, in that regard, I can see where you might feel that feel that guilt if you you feel that they know that you're you tend to buy a lot of stuff. Um, the booths that I have a really tough time though are, like, for every popular booth that has lines around the corner, there's another booth. That's just getting no love and no attention, and you you can you walk by them, and you kind of you you can tell that they're having a hard convention. So when you walk by those booths, and their faces light up, and they stand up, and they want to talk about their stuff, those are the booths I have a really tough time like walking away from without a purchase. It's heartbreaking because you want them to have a good convention, and you can you can almost tell that they're not. It's, it, that that hurts me way more than say the, the booths you're talking about. I think that's what she's yeah, talking about. No, I don't think she was talking about just the other ones where they're actually like, right? You were talking about the ones where I people mean, you know and you're friendly and you're friends with. I mean, in a way, it's kind of both. But for me, where it's it's really hard is the people that I, I've become really good friends with. And, I mean, imagine the day. I don't think it's likely. But I know there's people in the scene like me and people who've been in the scene any, for even longer than me who – 
got really into collecting very specific artists and maybe their taste have changed or their budget or their lifestyle. And it's hard as a collector, knowing you've established this relationship with an artist to not feel like you're supporting them as much or taste of change and you're not feeling their latest stuff or whatever. It's just, it's hard to navigate. But what you're mentioning too is also very hard to navigate going up to those booths that are newer, more upcoming artists that aren't the crazy booths that have these crazy, massive lines. It's like, you want, I want, like, obviously I want everyone to be successful. I want everyone to have a good designer con, but yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it's not in reality. I'm, I'm, I, I totally understand it coming from you, Teresa. To hear George say that's an aspect. Like George, I picture you just walking around not giving a crap, just kind of doing, you know, you being George. For you to hear that this impacts you as well is, is kind of a surprise to me. Oh no, I it's it's the hardest part of decon. Like I hate walking down aisles and like seeing all this cool stuff and not being able to like buy. Like there was one guy at this show. And I really wanted to go back and get it. And I totally forgot. But he had these cool, like, they, they looked very, like, Henson Muppety. Like, there were these, like, monster, like, almost like Sesame Street, like, monsters. And they were all ceramic. And they were all handmade. And they were amazing. And I really wanted to get one. But I knew, like, it doesn't, I don't have room in my collection. I don't have room in my house for it. I don't know where I would put it. But I love it. And then I feel like a dick if I'm, like, Hey, this is awesome. And then I right? give them any money. Right? And but I, exactly. legitimately, there was... like, I legitimately thought they were great. And I really wanted one. But I just don't know where I would put it. Yes. there. I mean, there were even booths. So one, oh my gosh, fantastic artist, Silken Thistle. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. She's a newer artist. I've kind of started following. And her stuff is freaking adorable. And it's freaking made out of cotton, you guys. She takes, she'll like build an armature, but then build it up using cotton, like needle felt cotton, and then she'll paint on top of it. These gorgeous, cute creatures. Oh my gosh, she's so sweet, and I love her work. And that was one of those booths, George. Like I walk up, and I'm like looking at her stuff, like hearts in my eyes, and I'm just like, ah. And But I don't know her as well, right? And I feel like I'm an ass, because I'm going up there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I love your work. And I got to talk to her a little bit about how she creates them and about her process. And I was just like, your, your pieces are so great, but they're, they're expensive, you know, 400, 500, 600 buck pieces. And I just can't do it. I, I just can't justify that with my budget. And so I just go up and I talk to her, but then I have to walk away and it's just, it's hard. And I, it's, it's a balance because I want to go up and talk to her and meet her and let her know that I love her work and I want her to keep doing it and it's great stuff, but it's hard to be that person, you know, George, that you just say, yeah, I'm going to say all these great things, but I'm not going to make a purchase. You guys, yeah. we can't be feeling the, this, the weight of this as collectors. It can't like, if we start feeling this too much, we're not going to, you know, it, we shouldn't be putting this on ourselves. Let's just say this. Let's all, as a community, know that this is a thing and know we all love each other and we want everyone to succeed and everyone's work is great. We just all can't support everyone and it's okay. I love everyone. Please don't hate me. It makes my heart hurt. But that's me. That's my new, that's my latest and greatest dilemma in the world of toys. Artist guilt. I feel it and I hate it. It's understandable, and I'm okay. sure you're not the only one. 
That should be a survey. All right, let's talk about what? Yeah. You guys should make that a survey, like asking artists, like, would they rather, like, would they rather have you stop and like say how much you like their, like, whatever they're selling, or just keep you walking by if you're not going to buy anything? Do you feel Gary? guilty, Teresa, because you think they might know who you are? Oh no. Yeah, so like it's you should about, ask artists, It's not like, about oh, if they know me or not. Oh, okay. I thought it was being it's a just, new... It's just in general. Right. I thought it was just being a new thing. Maybe it was like a pre-podcast or podcast thing. That people recognize your voice, your face, maybe your name. And it, it, that I mean, sort of thing that they would want you to support their stuff. And maybe you talk about on the show or put it in your hall or whatever. I mean, I guess it could be part of it that maybe people know my face and my name more than they used to. I think it's just, I've, I've transitioned. I, before I was just an attendee and a collector. So I guess, yeah, in a way is might be connected to the podcast, but it's just, I don't know. I just, I've gotten to know more and more people, but here's what you do. Um, you just take a picture of it and say that you love it so much. You want to look at it later. No, I think that's worse. I think being like the worse. Person, that was a joke. I'm no. an <laughs> to walk up and do that whole do that whole like I'm just gonna look and take a pic and walk away is much worse than being like hi my name is Teresa I follow you I've been following your work recently I just found you a couple months ago I love your stuff let's talk about it to me that's at least showing them that you like their work and they appreciate you know, you appreciate it I feel like that's a heck of a lot better than doing the creepy drive-by picture i'm not even going to say hi thing nah, I'd, rather, I'd rather actually have the people come and take pictures of the stuff <laughs> honestly like from, from, from a booth standard like from a booth standpoint on this whole subject like i'm fine when people come and talk to me and tell me they like the stuff i think it's great and i'm actually fine when they come and take pictures of it too because then they might share it you know they might put the picture online or they might show one of their friends who might end up going buy something that's true. So either or for you, yeah. either, either, you know, oh my God, I forgot about this. Something I did that I feel terrible about. I've never done it before. I'm never going to do it again because it was a shit move and I feel terrible. So don't hear this story and ever do it because have a man, be a man and have balls just to walk away. What I did was I was in a situation at a booth where I was talking about, oh, this is really great. I really like your stuff. And I just, I felt that guilt that you were all talking about. So what I did is I pulled up my phone took a picture of the thing and then raised my phone up and took a picture of their booth location as if I'm going to circle back and buy this thing. Oh. Oh, I know. I feel like such a dick. I feel really, really bad. Don't do that move. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. The, the guilt of cons. <laughs> we all feel it in different ways. Ah. <sighs> Anyway, let's move on. We've been hashing on this too much. I did want to go back to the Bear Brick VIP goodie. Uh, it was the year of the Vincent. Did you all notice? I felt like there were a heck of a lot of designer con mascot toys this year. And the VIP Bear Brick was one of my favorites. I'm very happy that someone was kind enough to gift me one of theirs. It's flipping adorable. I think it's going to be my new little toy photography pal when i go to designer con um it was your favorite thing yeah she was sitting there at breakfast one morning just playing with the thing going <laughs> walking around the breakfast table yeah 
pose in it taking pictures. I'm such a weirdo. I think I've lost my filter. I used to be very like, okay, I'm Teresa, but in front of other people, like, don't be fully Teresa. And I've that's gone. Do what? Never go full Teresa. Um, I'm I'm close. There's one there's one booth I'd like to or one uh, piece I'd like to mention if we could. I don't know if you guys saw it, but do you guys remember who Radioactive Uppercut? Do you know that artist? I know, I know the name. Yeah. So he he's been releasing these little figures for a few years now. Back when I, back when we had uh, Toy Break, so that's how long ago it was. Um, he was releasing these vinyls, and then this year Mesco had a booth at Decon for the first time, and they had Radioactive Uppercut's figure as a Mezco toy. Like Mezco was releasing it. Oh, cool. Which one was that? that? Oh, that's pretty big news. Like, that's pretty cool. Which one was it? Because it, so Mezco was actually one of the booths that caught my eye that I did, that did look new. And I actually really liked the Lone Roach figures. Did you see those? Yeah, those are awesome. Oh, oh my God. It's like a little, uh, like a Roach character, Gary, but uh, Anthromorph guys that's so not how you say it what is the way to say that where it's an animal but made to look human <laughs> anthro work what is that anthropomorphic <laughs> anthropomorphic <laughs> so what it's yes having human characteristics anyway it's an anthropomorphic roach it's freaking cool, Gary. It was this roach and like this karate outfit, but like it had legit clothing made out of fabric and like a little baby bug. And I don't know, it was just really cool. Well, um, I haven't been looking at those, but the roach character is the Mezco mascot. It's been the Mezco mascot for a long time. And that they've been releasing different versions of it. And that little, that one that you were talking about, Teresa, is from their, uh, their line. I can't remember what the name of the line is, but it's, they're like eight inch, uh, like real clothing. Like they're they're basically like sideshow or uh, hot uh, toys. Hot toys, yeah. But they're the, but they're only eight inch, and they do all the same licenses though. But they have all the superheroes. They have all that stuff. So this is their Mezco guy, like their own personal guy that they release in that line. So it's it fits with the other. It fits with all your superheroes if you buy all that stuff. Um, and those superheroes are amazing, by the way. They're, they're, the clothing they do is super great for that scale. Um, and the sculpting is always really nice on the heads and everything. So, And it's those generic, you know, it's a generic body form that they use for everybody kind of thing. And they just dress them, just like a hot toy. It's so, awesome. Yeah, so that roach came like that. Um, that one sold out each day was the allotment they had was sold out very fast. Uh, I ended up picking up the three and three-quarter um, style version of that guy as well. Um, they had the they had the roach in like the kind of like the you know the Super Seven uh, reaction line type look. Oh okay. And it actually says five points on it, so I'm wondering if they made it for five points and it was left over. Was Mezco at five points? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember them being there, but maybe I missed them. There's a big five points on it, so I'm guessing it must have been made for that. Uh, but that, I, I bought one of those just because I thought that guy, like, I just like that style figure, and I thought that was pretty cool, and the packaging looks real nice. But the one I was talking about was called Cyber Rider. Um, if you look it up, it's Radioactive Rubber Cut Cyber Rider Mezco. 
I'm looking it up. Mezco Radioactive Uppercut. Cyber Rider? Yeah, Cyber Rider. That's and it's his line of like these little vinyls that are like little like chibi style. Usually they used to be sculpted by Gene St. Jean and he probably did this one too. It looks to be the same style, but I don't know for certain. Oh, this like chubby uh, skull. He's like a, almost like a Judge Dredd looking skull guy. Yeah. I like it. And it was like, it was much cheaper too than he was able to release them for because they probably made them, you know, uh, probably made more of them being Mezco releasing it than he, when he was doing it alone. Yeah, this is cool. I, I thought their booth was really fun. Um, uh, before, before, because I do want to jump into other things we saw around the event, but I was curious. We were. T- I was asking about the um, decon maskets because there were so freaking many. I was curious what your favorite one was. I say, really like. Please say maskets again. What did I say? You said, you said mas- maskets. Mas- <laughs> I meant to say mascots. I know what you meant to You're say. I'm you. I'm turning into you. What have you done? I gave you, you, you took my travel bad juju and now I'm taking the inability to speak from you. I love that we're no longer <laughs> editing because that's something I totally would have changed. Not no more. What did I say? Maskets? Well, anyway, Maskets. I, I just, did you all have a favorite? Because if we ignore the VIP bear brick, although I really liked that one, I really liked the Big Shot Toy Works design. It was like a kind of retro, uh, chubbified, Vincent, super cute. They had um, four different single color vinyl, uh, I think at the 3D Retro or the Designercom booth. But it was flipping adorable. Oh, wait, that was Big Shot Toy Works made that? Yeah. Interesting. That was my least favorite one. No offense to Big Shot Toy Works. I just didn't. I don't like the design. It doesn't look like Vincent. Well, you know what's funny is I, I, I did tell Clem, I was like, I feel like it's kind of a Clem Vincent, uh, like blending of the worlds. It's Clemified. It did look but less strange. I <laughs> thought it was. Vincent is not me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. It's you, George. You can <laughs> well, deny, was- deny, deny, <laughs> but it's totally you. It's not George. George, what was your favorite then? Um. I, there was, uh, I mean, there was what the dissected Vincent with the the Jason Freeney one, right? Yep. There was the uh, larger uh, Vincent Dunny, the five inch, the, the cube head. Uh, uh, what else was there? I swear there was more. There's a crap ton. Mm, I mean, I guess to... out of those four, I would probably say I like the, I like half of the dissected one. You know, I do. I do actually. Dissected one. I I actually can agree with that. While I like the dissected approach, I do wish they had produced both and done a production of the non-dissected and the dissected, so people could choose. Maybe that'll be twenty twenty. Oh, I like the guy who dressed up as Vincent. That was my. That's my favorite. Oh yes! I saw that picture. That was awesome. Did you see that, Gary? Did he look like George? No, it's some guy. <laughs> your, your brother actually tagged the guy's name. Oh, really? He knew who it was. Yeah, hold on. Let me find out. Uh, da, 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 right here. And your brother tagged. His name is at D-A-E-O. D 
Diego Estolano. Estolano. Oh, Diego. Super yeah. Seven. Yeah, he works for Super Seven. Super talented guy. Yeah, I guess he's a Super Seven guy. He's a Super Seven guy. Yeah, he's awesome. Love it him. was awesome. Yeah, he and it wasn't great. like yeah, like even his backpack had like the big utensils in it, like a pencil and a brush. It was great. Yeah, it was perfect. It I was wish cool I had seen Vincent cosplay. <sighs> All right, Gary, did you have a favor? You want to talk other things? No, I did get the hundred percent designer con Vincent bear brick, but but let's move on. Well, speaking of Tolleson related things, because I know Scott Tolleson's tied to the Vincent design, but he had. Oh my gosh. So I didn't know these were going to be there because I've been terrible at social media lately, but he had some new Lotus dragons on display and oh my goodness. So he had those Lotus dragon designs done uh, through kid robot as dunnies, you know, years ago, they had the three inch and the larger eight inch or whatever. And he is working on a new version of it with 3d retro, which is like a new spin on the Lotus dragon look. And oh my gosh, y'all, did you all see those? It's a nine inch piece, but they are so good. Tell me you love them because you gotta love them. I love them. (laughs) They're great. They look look real, they look great, and they're huge too. Oh, they're mad. The thing, like the detail, like the sculpting detail and the paint application, what's crazy is they were just factory samples, but to me, they looked ready to go. I was wowed. I did not expect them. And I was walking around and I was like, oh my God, what is that? I thought those were really, really cool. So bravo, Scott. And the the there's two different colorways. There's an OG, which is like his standard, more pastel-y, the blues and the pinks um, and the tan. But then he's got kind of like a evil version too. That's black with purples and greens and blues. It's awesome. Yeah, it looks really good. Did you pick up the nugget? I did not pick up the nugget. Did you get a nugget? Of course I got a nugget. I love that. You had to get the nugget. I love a good chicken nugget. I just, I would want like a cute chicken nugget. Oh, it's, it's not the cutest chicken nugget. <laughs> it's not cute. It's George cute. It's not Teresa cute. Did you uh, buy one of those enamel pins, Teresa? They had that pinwheel pin. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a, it looked like a, like a spin wheel with an arrow, and you can flick the arrow, and half the time it would land on like what you would spend your money on would be toys, and the other half of the time would be like food. Rent, art. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that was a great pin. Yeah, it was, it was a collaboration with Broke Piggy called the Spin and Spend. I would have, but one of the options on it was drugs, and that's just so not me. I hope it doesn't land on that. I know, but it had so it had toys, rent, food, and drugs. I'm like, man, if you just hadn't put drugs. I know they could have had any other option other than that. Uh, well, you know what? None of us got it then because I didn't either. I got the argyle pin. Ah, uh, well, I did. Ha- I do have to say, I had fun finding people with it, and I would spin the little arrow to see where it landed. So it is a fun little interactive toy, or well, pin. Yeah. And even though we didn't buy it, maybe our listeners want to pick it up. So I'll include the the link to that in our show notes. It's called the Spin and Spin Enamel Pin. Otherwise, let's talk about some of our other sponsors before we get back to DesignerCon. So for all your designer toy needs, wants, and desires, since we're talking about DesignerCon and uh, Ben Goretzky and gang hosting a great event, let's point you in the direction of his 
online and brick and mortar toy store. It's called 3D Retro. If you're in the Southern California area, be sure to visit the store and uh, check that out. Otherwise, you can visit them online at 3DRetro.com. There is also StrangeCatToys.com. Be sure to load up your cart and at checkout, use our promo code MARSHAM at checkout and you'll receive 5% off your entire order. Otherwise, there's also My Plastic Heart. They have a brick and mortar location in New York City. If you're in the area, be sure to check that out. Otherwise, visit them online at MyPlasticHeart.com. Again, at checkout, use our promo code TOYFAM at checkout. If you live in the States and spent $75 or more, you will receive free shipping on that entire order. Otherwise, to stay on top of all the latest and greatest in designer toy news, be sure to like and follow SpankyStokes.com and TheToyChronicle.com. Uh, let's get talking about designer con. Okay. Yeah. No. Um. So, how was the convention for you guys overall? I, for myself, I can say it was phenomenal. It was an amazing experience. Huge improvements. I think just made it even better than than it always has been. Um, I really thought at the, at the time I had no, like nothing negative, no constructive criticism to think. But I've been thinking on it. And I think if I had to bring one constructive criticism to the table for Ben and his team to look at was, I think the artist alley table area needs a little more love and attention yeah. next year. It was a little, felt neglected. It wasn't well-traveled and the f- format was different. So the aisles are smaller than all the other aisles. So when you're snaking around, you kind of, it was a little jarring when you hit that area. So you avoided it. Yeah. I referred to those as the tea tables because they were labeled. They were labeled with T's in the booth numbers. Um, I agree. When I snaked the hall, by the time I got to that section, I just I couldn't do it. And I think it hurt them to be in the far back section of the second hall or the left hall. Um, but yeah, that I felt bad for people in that area because I had a really hard time getting up there. Because when you're snaking around and ping-ponging around the main heart of the the, the con, you're not really traveling that area. And it, it, well, you're right. Like, there was no – when you were snaking the regular aisles, it didn't just lead straight into their section. They were more condensed and set up differently. Yeah. Did any of you check out the um, AR section? There was a couple booths that were doing um, the AR thing with your phones. George, you alerted us to it just before we went out. Download iJack on your phone. So I did, and I stopped by. I did the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse booth. That was really cool. That was a cool experience. I did. I, the booth, booth next to the Spider-Man is the one that really had me, and I was trying to show everybody I could about it. It was it was that it was the same thing with the AR when they had a bunch of different paintings set up, kind of like with the Spider-Man, where you look at it on your phone and it pops up and does something. Oh, Except, I only did the Spider-Man one. Uh, the one next to it. So it was all different paintings. It just looks like a booth with a bunch of terrible easels. With like, it just looked like cheap easels holding up a bunch of poster board pictures. But when you pulled up your phone. And you open their app and look at it. Each painting did something. It like came to life, and it was they were amazing. And I could just picture going. Imagine going to an art gallery, and you look at all the paintings on the wall, and you're like, "Wow, this is great." You looked at the show, and then you go through it again, but this time you hold your phone up, and every painting does something. That's pretty cool. It's a nice feature. It was amazing. I mean, I I could see that whatever whoever's doing that thing. I think it was called like iJack or something. I could see that really like becoming a thing in the art world. You had told me about it, George, and 
I really wanted to do it. But then by the time I got to that, that second hall and that area, it just didn't happen. I just didn't do it. But I'm glad I got to see it through your phone. <laughs> I didn't get to see a piece of it. I mean, yeah, it was it was really cool. And I actually, I wanted to go, they were selling a book and I forgot to go back and buy it. But I wanted to go get the book. Because then if you look at the book while you're at home, you could pull up the app and look at all the things and each page comes to life. Oh, that's cool. And I totally forgot to go back and get it. But I'll have to order or something. Yeah, I... I mean, back to your your question, Gary. I mean, I think you know we I know we had been on um, before before Decon, and you know he was talking through the event and stuff, and and talking about how he's growing the show and starting to pull different stuff in, you know, apparel and sneakers and some of that kind of stuff. And you know, for for me personally, that's not something that's ever going to interest me. You know, I'm not ever going to be a, I don't even know the name a sneakerhead. Is that the right term? I'm never going to be a sneakerhead or really into apparel or hype stuff or whatever. Um, you know, I'm there for the toys. Um, but, you know, I, I just it, it frustrates me a bit that I think people are people don't want to let go of the old decon. Right. But decon just evolving. It's been show. It's been choice. And, you know, it's it's evolving into a show that's more than just toys. And I've kind of accepted that. Like to me, decon is what decon is. I know it's going to have all this stuff there. Um, I just, there's pros and cons to it, right? So on one side, I think it's great because it seems to be pulling new and different people in. You know, when you're walking around, it's cool that it's cool. Then I can watch a bunch of recaps, and it seems like people are experiencing lots of different shows in one. You know, you can see people who are sneakerheads finding a lot of stuff that interests them. But on the other hand, it can be hard because it's so big and there's so much. And when I'm snaking around, I feel like I'm having a really like I'm seeing a lot of stuff, and I'm having to kind of pick and choose and find the things that interest me. Um, and it can be really hard because. You know, I'm like you, like we talked about. I'm having to like race through the hall, and I don't really have time to actually look and observe and see everything. So, it's it's kind of mixed feelings for me. I love decon. I love seeing people, but it's a different kind of show. Like I've I've had to accept that it's not going to be like five points where I can do both. I can walk around and have time to kind of peruse the booth and also talk a bunch. I think I've learned and realized that. When I go to decon, I'm I got to accept that I'm not going to be able to really see it all because it's so big. Right? Did it help out that they had some things that were categorized together? Like there was the cute corridor, there was the Sofubi cul-de-sac. Like, did it help having those areas where there were complementing booths, kind of all in the same area, or no? For sure. I I loved the corridor personally. I thought that was a really fun idea. Um, I hope that they'll continue and I'll keep growing because for me, it was great. It was a lot of boosts uh, I really liked, kind of condensed in one area. Um, obviously, it helped. Like, they had a little map handout. So I was able to kind of mark up on it and have a physical copy so I could kind of visually see where some of my main boosts were. Like, like I had your booth highlighted, George. And like, certain people that I want to make sure I get around and can find. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the tricky part, like those areas are great. It's just, I know Ben says that he curates, but I think at this point, Decon, it, to me, at least it's not really a very curated show. It's just a lot of different stuff. So when you're walking around, you're going to see stuff that you love, 
And then you're going to see stuff that you probably, for me at least, like I, I have no interest in, right? So snaking the whole show like I did, I don't know if I'll do that again next year. Because I ended up, I feel like I ended up just having to rush through the whole thing just to try and see it, kind of doing air quotes. And I think I would rather experience it more of going through and kind of picking and choosing areas I go to. But I it, even as I say that, though, what's so hard, there's so many international booths starting to come. And I'm not as familiar with them. And so there were moments like the, so the scat ship, the little cat spaceship that was in the VIP box, she had a booth. And I think the name of the booth was something I wasn't familiar with. And that was one of those I saw while snaking around. And I was like, oh, it's Barry Cece. I should go up and say hi and like see the other stuff she has. So there's benefits to snaking around, right? You see things that you weren't expecting to see or you come across a booth where you're like, oh, that's that thing I see online. Like, I just didn't know it was named X, Y, Z. Um, or like I was with Eric and I came across this new set, this new kaiju area. And I found out about a company called One um, M1Go that has these super cute tricycle toys with different kaijus, like kaiju toys riding on it. So like Ultraman or Godzilla or Booska. Uh, Hedora. I feel fancy because I know what these things are. <laughs> You're looking at <laughs> the dock, like, aren't you? No, these are actually. I've been doing some research, Gary. But um, but like that's I don't believe like you're I pulling that never... off the top of your head. That's amazing. I, I am. It's crazy. I'm like getting all educated up in here. But like that's one that I never would have in a million years had on my list. But then walking around with Eric, he goes to this booth. I'm like, you're at a booth I've never been at. Where are we? And most of it's like, I don't know what this stuff is. But then I'm like, what is that? What is this tricycle thing? And so it's 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 hard. It's like these mixed feelings inside of I want to see it all. I want the experience of having a, oh, my gosh, kind of moment, right? But I also want to make sure I have time to talk and see all the things I want to see. So it's to me, for me, it's a constant struggle. And that's why you see me be the way I am. I'm just like a crazy whirlwind of Teresa trying to take it all in. George. Awkward pause. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to do this thing now where I pause a little bit. So George will actually jump in and be on the episode. Like if I don't do that, he's not going to chime in. And then I also know like an hour and 20 minutes in, like he's, at this point, he just wants to check out anyways. He, uh, he uh, had a girl cheese, we ta- so he we wouldn't talking, angry, George. though. Yeah, George, we were talking, like, I think, like, about an hour into the show, you're good for it. After that, you start getting hangry. You just want to, like, this just wrap this up. Let's just end this. So Yeah, I don't know. You guys forget that this is the Marsham Toy Hour, and that's all I'm good for. So maybe After- we just need to say our goodbye no, to you then, sir. No. And then, then George, Teresa and I do the last half hour. That would be amazing. Can we do that? Sure. <laughs> Let's just try it. Let's see if the audience likes it better. You're just going to peace out, seriously? Before you go, George, George, before you go, I have a question for you. All right, go ahead. Have we seen the best of Designer Con? Has it peaked, or do you foresee it getting better every year? I think it's still going to continue to grow and, and be better, bigger, and better every year. I don't, I don't think uh, 
it's not a tiny little homegrown show anymore. It's a it's a full on convention, and people need to like get with it. I mean, like I told you before the show, and I'll tell you again after my booth. I don't I don't deserve to be at DesignerCon with what I bring. I need to step up my game, and I plan on stepping up next year. Oh, we're gonna hold you to that. But you're right; it's a completely different event. There's like like Teresa, you were saying, there was videos out there where you're looking at at it through a lens of completely different collectors at this event and how much they loved it. Yeah, their stuff is not for you and my, you know, myself, but this convention is far beyond designer toys. You know, all sorts of sort of different vendors. The one thing I noticed were the stuff that Teresa and I would tend to buy and the majority of purchasers, I think were front-loaded for the convention. I think the stuff that would get more towards the back was kind of the stuff that, maybe didn't necessarily appeal to Teresa or myself or might've been vendors that only came aboard in the last couple of years. I think the vendors that have been doing the designer con the longest seem to be on the front side of the convention minus say like where the Safubi corner is, the Paul Kaiju sour lemon. They like to be in that kind of like back, back far corner because they don't necessarily want the crowds where they are. And you know, what's funny is I, when I was walking around, in my head, I was thinking that Hall D felt a lot more like old school designer con, like the smaller booths with the personal vendors. And it didn't have those, like you were saying, like the big booths, like the Metacoms and the sneaker hype shoe cleaners and things like that. That all seemed to be over in Hall C. And I felt like Hall D was kind of like the chill. Like there was no DJs really playing in Hall D. It was like Hall C, I went over there and it was all like, I felt like it was like flashy and loud and like, big booths that like weren't necessarily the guy making the thing that was there. And like Hall D was kind of like the chill, cool room where like the, the peaceful artists selling their wares. Like, I don't know. And then I said that to Jessica and she was like, no way. She's like, Hall C feels more like the old designer con people. And I was like, huh, that's weird. Like, I guess it, I, I don't know. I don't know what made it feel different to me, but I don't, I don't, maybe it's like the, I don't want to hear DJs playing. I don't need DJs. You don't need a DJ at designer con. You don't need DJ at any convention. I didn't even notice the music. Oh, talk to, talk to, <laughs> I didn't notice any music this year. Talk to Squid you, Kids and ask him if he knows if there's a DJ at Designer Con or not. Oh, man. What about, was there a well, panel this year? I know there was a big giant chair section set up for panels, but I never yeah. like heard it over the intercom or like nothing. It was hard I, to hear anything over the intercom, but there was definitely, yeah, there was a panel section set up. They, they had panels throughout. I know at least on Saturday there was stuff going on. What were the panels uh, this year? I, I don't know. I didn't go to any of them. I don't Gary, know. I, I'm not interested in panels. There's no interest Exactly. In I don't think we need to even talk about it because none of us did it. We didn't even think about it. <laughs> that, that's, that's, to me, that's like a place to go if you don't have a place to sit and you're like, oh, I want to sit down. But there were like... I don't know. There's no reason. For me, I don't see a reason to have panels. I agree. Yeah, this convention is just too big for it, right? It's not. Well, I mean, Comic-Con not, has panels. Not, exactly. Like, there's a crap ton of panels at San Diego, but this is just, it's just not, it's its not that type of panel. You want to know how many school. panels I've been to at San Diego and I went for, like, 19 years? I, I went to three panels and I was on them. <laughs> the only one, actually, no, that's not true. I went to one panel that I wasn't on, and it was to go watch someone I knew. I have never done a single panel ever. Well, that's not true. At Five Points, we did the one super super plastic one. That was the only one I've ever done. And I did San See, Diego for twelve or fourteen years or something like that. Panel 
we're not panel people. Like there are people that love that stuff at conventions. I mean, there were people that used to come to the toy break panel. Like, I don't know why, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to a panel about <laughs> with me sitting, like me talking to you about something like it just, but it, it every year people would come somehow. People are just drawn to you, George. Well, oh, there was a I, basketball court there that we, we were supposed to play a game of horse, Teresa, but we never did. I never even saw the basketball court. How was it? Did it look cool? No, it was kind of sad, uh, actually. It was I, like... You get, you get through, like, you're in this, like, massive booth, right, in one hall. You move through the hallway into the next hall. It's just massive booth. And then as you get further and further left, all of a sudden just just gets kind of sad. Like everything's kind of spread out, not a whole lot going on. And you get over here and it looks like a lot of dead space. And then all of a sudden you see way back in the far left corner, this just sad looking hoop <laughs> with like George, a little. Yeah, it was kind of like a neighborhood hoop that you just see the kids playing on. It wasn't like, I don't know why, but I had envisioned this full-size basketball court with wood-paneled flooring, and yeah. I just had this grand image of, like, an NBA court for some reason with netting so the ball wouldn't go out. And no, it was it, it was probably fine for those who played. It was just really actually kind of far away from where the booth ended. I think it was probably, like, another 50 feet away to get to the booth, which is great for the rebounds and stuff, but it was even too far to even just get up close and go check out. Well, maybe though, maybe they want to do that next year because they're going to have a regular square room or a rectangle room. It, it for me in my head and in the vision and all the hype and talking about like, yeah, we're going to use it and play. I was sorely disappointed. I was like, I so it was okay, but we didn't use it. Oh well. Well, for basing back on that question you asked me about designer con if it's bigger or if it's good or if it's peaked if you want that small time that not small time but if you want that small town feeling that little decon of the olden days there's there's a show coming up in april called creature bazaar um and i have a feeling it's going to have that vibe it's going to have that like that you know that make like everybody there is the guy that's making it it's like regular tables like people selling their stuff at a table, like toys all over, like cool stuff, monsters, masks, everything like is going to be there. Hmm. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about it, George, because I was hearing people saying, Oh, there's this new like decon alternative. People were handing out flyers. I was like, what's everyone talking about? But then I realized they were talking about this creature bizarre. And I saw your name on the back of the flyer. So I was curious. It's in Pasadena, right? No, it's in Glendale. Um, they didn't want to have that stigma of just being like, oh, look, it's Decon again. So ah. they're, they're not doing it at the Pasadena Convention Center. So from what I could tell, it looked pretty kaiju-focused. Am I there, accurate? Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably going to be a heavy kaiju bent to it um, just because the, the organizers are, like, very kaiju-heavy. Um, so I think that that's going to have, like, a – that'll be a part of it, but – they're going out of their way to make sure that there's like, you know, a good representation of, of people there. Um, not just Kaiju stuff. Huh. I'm curious. You'll have to keep us uh, looped in as things develop. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'm definitely it's... excited for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of heard about it and I'm intrigued and it actually spawned uh, sort of a discussion and a poll in our, our Facebook group, George. And I also did it on our um, Instagram page, but 
like hearing about this, you know, creature bazaar being built. And I was, I came out back off decon. I was like, Oh, I feel like I already need a fix already. Like I wish there were more U S shows. And really we've just got two big ones right now, five points and decon. And so I was curious and asking people like, would we want another U S show? Would another U S show be needed? And if we did one, like where, where should it be? What would be a good area? Um, and it seemed like the the winner, at least overall from all the discussions, was Chicago. So maybe someone out there can uh, make a Chicago show happen and we can get three shows on the calendar. Each Chicago's year. already got C2E2, though. But C2E2 isn't designer toys, George. Yeah, I attended C2E2 years ago. I, I attended C2E2 a couple years ago, probably more than a couple. And it was just, it was not for me. I am not a Comic-Con person. I'm not a fan art person. There was very few toys. We need like a centric designer toy focused Chicago show. Personally, I don't think the States needs another show. I really like that Five Points Fest and Designer Con are nicely spaced six months apart. That gives the vendors on the East Coast and West Side opportunity to prepare for each event. But I understand what people are saying, like the Midwest would be nice to have an event there. But these events need to be homegrown. So I think the only place I can see it happening would be Chicago because that's a nice international hub. You got Rotofuji there. You got all the fantastic talent out of Ohio and Chicago area. So I think if anywhere is going to be successful, I think Chicago has the best chance of it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many artists like Rotofuji is based there, but there's tons of artists in the Midwest. We've got a show in New York. We've got a show in California. Chicago. Chicago. Shikaiju, except more like Shikoigo. I want more than Kaiju, George. We have a few minutes left. I thought DesignerCon was amazing this year. Props to Ben and his entire staff and crew. You guys did a great job. Much improved this year. Fantastic event. And one of the best things that I thought, well, it wasn't something that they did this year. One of the things they decided not to do this year, which was fantastic, was foregoing the VIP event on Saturday night. I don't think anyone missed it. And it allowed us to go bowling that night. And we had it. George, do you think you'll ever partake in any of our, like, Marsham meetups or anything that we do? Are we only going to just see you at your booth at these events? Are you ever going to do dinner or breakfast or a bowling night with us? Do you you want the truth or do you want me to lie to you? No. I I, I know the answer is going to be no. We We are podcast friends. We're not hang out and socialize outside of the event friends. Is this correct? Uh, so no, that is not true. I would love to go with you guys. I, 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 once I found out there was a trophy, I was like, damn it. I could have possibly won a trophy. Like, of course I want to go to that. Uh, but I had friends in from out of town that came further than you. Um, and those are the ones that I have to hang out with. Well, you here you could have. No, I got, how am I going to get like, you don't understand when I roll, I roll deep. There's like 10 people with us <laughs> and like, I can't bring 10 people to this thing. When I so roll, I roll. On, yeah. He's a guy that's entourage. That's awesome. Oh man. You know, what's cool about that trophy. So that trophy was all horrible, adorable. So we, we had this thing, we called it glove gate because we did a bowling thing back, uh, decom Pasadena and Gary Rosansky of toy Chronicle brought a bowling glove and it was hilarious, but we wanted to resurrect it and do another bowling shindig. And Horrible Adorables rolls up with this customized trophy. So they went to like Goodwill or whatever or a thrift store and found this 
you know, 50 cent trophy, but horrible, adorableized it, put all their scales on it and blocked the guy, whatever. It was fantastic. You guys have no idea how much it broke my heart that I literally bowled the worst game of my life since I've been in bowling leagues. I've been bowling since I was six. My mom took us bowling every Sunday. I was in summer leagues. I lost. I bowled the worst game I have since I was six, George. I bowled a whopping 97. I didn't even break 100. (laughs) Sad salesman. He won the trophy with a score of 125. That's not like a huge score. That's a, I don't know, mark a few frames kind of score. It's not like a massive score by any means. It was anyone's trophy, really. I'm sad. I let my mom down. Oh, come on. No, it it would have been great to have, but yeah. I, I didn't expect award. to win, but but we had an idea. So like this this tradition kind of spawned out of nowhere. But I think we we were talking, George, that it'd be fun. So if we kind of create this new thing where every year we bowl, but the winner either customizes a new trophy or adds something to the existing trophy, so it could kind of grow. So Eric needs to add something, and then whoever wins the next year has to add on. It becomes this crazy conglomerate of of custom. No, I think the winner has to make the next trophy because you got you want to keep that one. Like everybody should be able to keep their first, and then they have to make the next trophy. Though that would be a good one. Either it's, way, it's only available for the original ten people who started this bowling thing. All the people now, because there's an award to win, a custom thing. No, you can't partake next year. Oh, now I can't go. Nope. Man, yeah. anyone who's else who's only shown up for that custom sad salesman trophy. Oh yeah. Out. This is awesome. You know it's gonna be a it's gonna be an awesome stackable creature trophy. Oh yeah, it's gonna be awesome. And Gary, we can't. I know you're all like looking at the time, but man, there's so much we haven't covered. Can we somehow keep talking and split this up or something? Because there's so much like stuff in the works that I saw, and new artists and toys I discovered, and we haven't even talked about the Korean barbecue incident. There's so much that, to discuss. Let's was, keep talking somehow. Split it into two parts we can, or something. We can, we can split it in two and just... You and I just need to hug it out what happened at DesignerCon. And George, if you really are super hangry, even though you had that grilled cheese to try to help us out, if you really want to peace out, I understand. But there's so... I feel like there's so much more. Wait, who said I'm hangry? I, George, Gary makes it sound like you're hangry. I don't know. I didn't say you were hangry. The last two or three episodes, he's gotten kind of... Kind of let's let's just wrap it up. Let's just end this show. Well, that's because I'm sitting in front of my computer, and then I start looking at stuff on the computer, and I start doing emails, and then I'm just like. And also, we can also hear Jess cut, you know, preparing dinner in the background. The food's probably sitting there hot and ready, and you're wanting to get off and go eat, and we're sitting here yapping it up still. I get it. No, she's taking a nap right now. Okay, we can keep going. Can we, we keep can, going, Gary? We can, we can. I can two part it. Let's keep it short, though. I I would like to. See oh, the I don't. Kids I don't want to go. No, I don't want to talk for like two more hours. But I feel like this may end up being a two-hour discussion. All right. So, what were some of the cool things you saw that are coming up? You mentioned that earlier, Teresa. Oh, yes. So yeah. So I know. Okay. I I was super excited about all the Tolson, uh Lotus Dragons. But another really cool piece that was on display, there's actually a, a couple of different things I saw. Uh, another one that I saw was the new Joe Ledbetter road trip um, piece. I don't know if you all saw that. It is 
it's huge. It's 16 inches tall, um, but it's this really cool stack design of a bunch of different characters. Um, and it was on display at his booth. Did you all happen to see it? I saw it. It looked nice. Yeah, I saw it. It looked really nice. It was hard to like make out the details because it was all, it was a giant statue, but it was all like a primer color. But I saw the yes. artwork that goes with it. And after seeing the artwork, it's going to be an amazing piece all said and done. Yeah, like on display, it was just a, a prototype, so it was gray. But but on display with it, it had a little card with some details, so you could kind of read and see what it was about, and so you could see what uh, like a uh, example of the uh, color palette they were looking at. Um, but what's really interesting, so it's going to be produced in resin. But I just thought it was a really really cool like conglomeration of his stuff. So it's. It's a gator driving a bike, and on top of the gator is an elephant. On top of the elephant is a rhino. The rhino's got a bunny. It's like all these different – it's just – it's very, very cool, and um, I'm excited. It was sculpted by Dave Bondi, produced, being produced by Big Shot Toy Works. Um, uh, apparently, it's coming in 2020 sometime, so um, nice. but that one – that one was really cool. Um, Monkey King had a crap ton of – prototypes and work in progress at their booth um and one that was really cool is uh this more sculptural piece by uh i'm probably gonna say it wrong soey milk or stewy milk soy milk yeah do you know that piece uh i don't know the piece you're talking about but i know the artist okay well i don't know um, the, but i've heard of the artist okay there was this um this new piece on display uh by her and i was trying to find the, the specific details about it i believe it's six or six and a half a six and a half inch uh soft final piece that's being worked on um the best way i can describe it is kind of um i mean it's kind of fantasy style but it's a girl surrounded by these cat-like creatures in this kind of cool flowy design um but it's really really pretty and really like i really like the sculpt and the shape like the form of it um that one is is i think actually coming in december so sometime soon um but that was really that was a really nice piece no it's great i heard a lot of people talking about that one um and they have i mean they've got a crap ton of stuff they've doing obviously doing a lot with luke chu with the ghost bear um they had a a work in progress piece of kind of luke chu's bear um doing a mural so it's like a guy with like uh again anthropomorphized Luke Chu Bear, but uh, he's in like a you know a hoodie and jeans, like splattered with paint, holding like a paint roller. It's called the Muralist. Um, they had this kind of crazy, like surrealist. I don't even know. It's like a Siamese twenty kind of piece. Uh, it's Anthony Asang's Broken Promise, where it was like these two guys, like a dog head, like merged into one, but two bodies. Yeah, Anthony Asang. He's been in this. He's been in the like. He's like a juxtaposed artist. Like he's been in that scene for a really long time. Uh, okay. It's like pop surrealism, and it's kind of like it almost. The, his characters usually remind me of like you know, like the wolf in the old cartoons, where like he his jaw drops when he sees a hot girl and his eyes pop out. Yes, that, it, it always looks like that kind of stuff to me. I totally agree. What is that? Tex Avery? Is that that name, Gary? You would know. No, you got it right. It's Tex Avery, and then Oscong. He's been around in the designer toy scene forever. He. Did the Vivisect playset a long time ago and a bunch of other toys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they they have a crap, a 
crap ton of stuff in progress. Um, lots of things going on. Um, okay, we gotta we gotta wrap this up. I'll, I'm sorry, I'll agree. But we need to end this. I I'll concur. And yes, the only thing I think we can I think we can wrap this up by just talking about next year's decon. I know at the very beginning we kind of started and mentioned the dates for 2020 are pushed up a week to November 13th and 15th. But the other thing we learned, the little sneaky peek that was provided, is it looks like it's going to be back to the future theme. And anyone that knows Ben, and I know you always talk about it, George. Ben is a massive Back to the Future theme, and I believe. 2020 is a really big anniversary year, so there's going to be maybe something tied in there at Decon next year. Which is funny because have you ever felt like there was a theme at Decon? Like, do you know what this year's theme was? It was space. But like, what what, what at Decon was even space themed? No, I, the postcards. I I could <laughs> say I know I know that traditionally like there was. Before this year's space, it was like the rock and roll with the concert or whatever. I've never actually seen it reflected beyond the signage or everything. So I'm kind of curious if it seems like this year the theme is actually going to permeate into the show. And that's it. (laughs) So why don't each of you take a brief moment and let the listeners know where they can find you. Teresa, go first. Yep. Check me out on Instagram, tmhawk24. George. I'm at Double G Toys on Instagram, and I currently have a new pink skeleton up for sale at my store envy. So go click the link in my Instagram. And I saw it in person. It's super cute and posable. And I liked how you had it holding your pin at your booth. Which, by the way, super side note the Toy Geeks pins being handed out decon were super fun. And I'm so happy I got a set. And Ben looked like grew, and it was awesome. Did you get everybody? Yeah. Thanks to you. You helped me get, um, oh my God, I want to say Sarah Joe. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Sarah Joe Marks. Yeah. So I was able to get, I was able to go around and find everyone but her. So you helped me out. So thank you. You helped me give my last, give me the last piece. So I have all five. I didn't get the chase. So I know the Sarah Joe pin had a chase. You could get two different glasses, but I was cool with just the one. Okay. Well, tell people where to find you, Gary Ham. Gary Ham on Instagram, superham.com, and this is the last episode of season four. Right? We're going on break. Oh, yeah. is this it? All right. We'll take that break. This is it. 2019. It's a wrap. All righty. It's a wrap. We'll be back for season five, maybe next year. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. We'll be right back. The is going. We'll this be is back. All right. So, this has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We do this every week, not because we have to. Because I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so until our next transmission in 2020, we're going to sign off for now. Merry everything. Happy New Year. See you next time. Bye.